When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. My name is Kyle Loomis. I am the part one of Inside the Jungle, along with my co-host Clint Richardson of the Auburn Uniform Database. We are here to break down yet again another Auburn Tigers victory, this time over the UNC Asheville Bulldogs by the score of 67-41. to Welcome back, Clint. Hi. Hi, that's all I get. Just a hi. That's all you get. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to trying to make these more and more awkward for you. <laughs> Can't be more awkward than me having to do the intro about fifty thousand times. Uh, that wasn't very good. That's going straight to the blooper reel. Oh, it should. If there was a blooper reel, which there there technically is, but we won't talk about that one. There's some bloopers on there that can never be heard ever. Period. <laughs> it's over with. Anyway, to Auburn basketball. Let's talk about this game. Uh, and if you look at the storylines coming around um, this one with UNC Asheville, you know, they've got UNC uh, in their name and then wherever their little satellite campus is. A lot of people associate this with at least being a decent program. And normally that's the case here. I would argue it doesn't seem like they were that formidable opponent after this game. However, I think the biggest news story around this is that this almost come full circle for Auburn at the Auburn Arena. Now, we talked a little bit about it in the last episode. They opened up the arena with UNC Asheville, and here we are again and how things have changed. This is fun. I, I like getting revenge from eight-plus year, eight years ago. I know. It, seems, it, it really doesn't seem that long, does it, though? No. I mean, the, the arena has, has aged pretty well, I think. It has, and then you have to think about that we blacked out through the Tony Barbie era. The what? (laughs) See what I'm talking about? We blacked out during that, uh, and then we've had so much fun watching Bruce Pearl, we forget that it has been eight years going back to that first game with UNC Asheville, and yes, we did lose in overtime to UNC, and uh, now it's a much different story here, although I was hoping for a little bit more of a thumping put on the Bulldogs by us, but I think that just goes to kind of what we are in this type of uh, this, at least the area of the schedule we're in, where we've come off a huge tournament, and we've got a couple of what would be considered cupcake games leading up to some tougher tests here. So you can understand, at least from my perspective, Clint, that these players might be a little bit lackadaisical at times. Yeah, this is a really tough part of the schedule. You know, uh, you're you're expected to play big games early in the season. Auburn had Washington, and then flew out to Hawaii. And then you've got the Thanksgiving holiday. It's, uh, I think, finals are next week. And then you've got Christmas. So there's a lot of distractions for you know a college kid, let alone a basketball player. And, and you know that you're probably not going to play the best teams in the world during this time. So it's, it's really easy to 
to just get off track. And I think Auburn kind of did tonight. I, you know, I don't think <clears throat> Coach Pearl is ever going to let this team get lackadaisical and and overlook an opponent. But this this was about as close as we're going to get this this season. I hope. I would definitely say that this was their least focused game, and I think that the reflection of that can even be seen in the marketing for this game, which was Jersey Night in the section, which I know you loved. Well, I think you, personally, if I know you well enough, I think you loved it on some level, being a uniform guy, but at the same time, I think you asked the question, why is someone here in an NBA jersey at an Auburn basketball game? But they promote it as such, and then you look out in the student section and you see Dominique Wilkins or... You know, at least Bo Jackson's, you know, relevant to Auburn, but it's a football jersey. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I I don't love this. I, I in fact, loathe this idea. And, you know, it's a, it's a good promotion and everything, but there's such a weird culture in the Greek life now of having jersey parties and, and the AliExpress $25 um, Chinese knockoff jerseys, which are funding things that they shouldn't be funding and that's an entirely different story but there there's just a culture that jerseys are really popular nowadays and and these these students want to go as different and off the wall as possible with their jerseys and you know I saw just watching the game you saw everything like you said a couple of NBA jerseys um <clears throat> I saw Target knockoff Auburn jerseys and, <laughs> you know, which at least they're relevant and at least they embody a certain design years ago. But, you know, when, when I see just the really, really wrong jerseys or, you know, the football jerseys make no sense to me at, at a basketball game. But, but at least it's Bo Jackson, though. At least it's Auburn. I will say that. I'd rather have that than a Dominique Wilkins shirt in there. Okay. Well, I, I've, so in my time in the jungle, I saw plenty of, you know, unbranded, generic Auburn jerseys, football jerseys. I saw the counterfeit jerseys with the names on them. I saw Cam Newton Panthers jerseys. Again, at least these are relevant. But then when you see a, Russell Wilson Seahawks jersey or a Houston Oilers throwback jersey. Now you're just you're just wearing a jersey to wear a jersey. And at that point <laughs> it's not relevant, but whatever. When Different. did this become the Auburn Uniform podcast? Hey, one. We could <laughs> it's just odd. No, I got we, too much on my plate. Yeah, I know. You got you're too busy of a guy right now. We can't start something else for you. But as unfocused as the team seen, as unfocused as the fans seem, we're unfocused here as well. Let's get back to talk on the game tonight. And you know I have to ask the question, even though it's probably a foregone conclusion at this point, Clint. Was this a complete game? No. And why? Do you see the score? <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me by that that if there was a certain score, you would have called this a complete game. No. Um, what was, I mean, heck, at the under 10, or at the under 8 timeout, I think it was like 11 to eight to 4 or something like that. Auburn was really slow out of the gate and was not shooting very well. I think in the first half, um, Auburn was shooting you know, 35% from the field. And then in the second half, they shot 62%. So that first half was not very good. And even with that 
better shooting percentage in the second half, Auburn still didn't really put up too many more points. Only, you know, 34 points in the second half to 33 in the first half. And, you know, UNC Asheville came out with a really tough zone defense. Like, these guys aren't the most talented group of players, and they've lost every single game this season, I think. But they that zone defensive scheme was was really tough and, and hard for Auburn to, to break through early in the game. And I love it when we get a chance to play against zone-based defenses because we have had a history of struggling with them under Bruce Pearl. And that's not that he's not a good coach against it. It's just the way his offenses run. It's more set up on a man-to-man basis to succeed there. So I think the more opportunities we can get to face the zone is going to be to our benefit here, even against what would be considered a lesser team. Because the more times you see it, the more you used to, the way you kind of work around weaving in and out of certain situations, especially when you get to tougher and tougher content, uh, contests there. And I, I think it's valuable experience here overall. I mean, if you look at some of the stats here, they're not wow numbers by any stretch of the imagination in terms of team stats. Field goal percentage was 48%. Three-point land was 30 six percent and then we get to my favorite stat 67 percent i'm just i'm i'm riding free throws off at this year clint i, I can't stand it anymore we cannot hit 80 percent to save our lives anymore it's 12 for 18 it's not too bad but it's come on we've got some of the best shooters in the entire land and we can't sit up there on a line and stand still for a few seconds take a nice little routine and make a free throw come on man <laughs> well you you want to throw out these stats and there was one that that really shocked me during the broadcast. Uh, Tom Hart mentioned that over the season that Auburn has only faced a zone defense, I think 18% of their possessions, which is incredibly low. And, and that has allowed Auburn to succeed this year and score the points and, and run away with games. You know, like you said earlier, facing one-on-one man-to-man defenses is what this team is built for. So you know, that experience to go from 18% to whatever it's going to shoot up to after this game, that that is the kind of experience you want this team to get from these games. You know, I know everybody wants to see Auburn just demolish any opponent they play and win 115 to 12. And it's just not going to happen like that. And, you know, I, we've mentioned it before that you have to learn to win different time of games and different scenarios. And, and this is one where Auburn had to realize we're not shooting our best. We're not playing our best. We're up against a defense that we're not best prepared for. And they still pulled out the win. And those kind of experiences will pay off later in the season. Well, and credit goes to UNC Asheville for running a defense that gave Auburn trouble, especially on a night where they weren't shooting their best. So you, begs the question had they been better offensively could this have been a more scary game for Auburn I do think so because we still do struggle against this zone um, and I, I give all the credit to UNC Asheville and their coach for running a defense that gave us fits at times but our defense as well gave them quite a bit of fits here only 18 points in the first half for Asheville 23 in the second half 41 total for the game um, this is it's not a score we're used to uh, for Auburn in terms of them being as low as 67 and uh, a points uh, 41 for the opposing team. Or we're used to keeping teams pretty low, just not scoring uh, that low in these games here. But if you look at some of our defensive stats, we uh, caused 25 turnovers 
for Asheville and got 20 points off of those turnovers as well. But then when you really get excited, you start looking at these other defensive stats here. 12 blocks for Auburn. 13 steals. That is awesome. This was a legitimate block party. Yeah, I had a lot of fun watching these blocks. And Austin Wiley had five of those blocks. And I think he had two within like a minute and a half of even being on the court. And, you know, just looking down the stats that both of us have on uh, our screens, there's only two stats that are even single digit. And I love this. And it's, you know, it's offensive rebounds at eight, second chance points at nine. Both of those are going to be pretty low at that point. But 26 bench points, 28 points of the paint, 14 fast break points, 12 blocks, 13 steals, and 19 assists. Like, that that's as well-rounded as a win and a defensive eff- effort as you can hope. Let's dive in a little bit deeper here and, and talk to, about some more uh, single-player stats. And we'll start with Austin Wiley since we were talking about blocks and the amount that he got in this game. He had 14 points total, 5 for 7 from the field, 4 for 5 from free throw land. He's the only one. I can count on at the free throw line. Uh, four <laughs> rebounds. Uh, he had only one personal foul in this game, and he did have two uh, two turnovers. He got 18 minutes in this game. What's interesting about this, Clint, is that for the last few games here, he's become in our top two or three scores most of the time. But you hear broadcasters asking the question, when is Austin Wiley going to officially be back to his true form? I'm sorry. If this is not his true form, defenses that we're going to be playing should be very worried because I would love to be only half to form and scoring 14 points and doing as well as he's doing right now. That should get people really excited for the Austin Wally that may be here by the end of the year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and still Austin has only been playing 16 to 19 minutes in these games. He's not playing 30 minutes like Bryce and 29 minutes like Jared. And, you know, if if Bruce wants to give him a couple more minutes or if Anthony is struggling or somebody fouls out and you have to put Austin in, there's not going to be any drop-off in performance. This kid has been groomed to play that position and play it well. And, you know, sitting out the last year was not the best thing for anybody, but Austin Wiley made do as best as he could with that situation. Uh, definitely he could, and it definitely looks like he's starting to get back closer and closer to his form, and that remains to be seen how much better that's even going to look when we get to that point. Uh, looking across individual stats as well, you know, you get to see some typical numbers that we're used to, but I look for the intrinsic stuff, and one of the things we talked about early on in this episode was the low energy factor here. And you can count on a few guys to always come into this game, at least this season, and I would argue for most of their career as well, and be the energy guys. And the two that I'm looking to in this game especially, Horace Spencer and Malik Dunbar. First off, Malik Dunbar is shooting lights out right now from the field. I mean, he had, I forget how many, I'm trying to look real quick, three, uh, he had two for three from beyond the three-point line. And um, he's just one of those explosive guys that can throw down a nasty duck at any point. But I love me some Horace Spencer. There's no energy on the floor. And what does he do? He comes in and catches an alley. He makes a block shot. He makes some kind of awesome steal that a man his size and his lankiness should not be able to make. 
I love these two guys as part of the team, and they're they're not the starters. And to me, they are the two that are still arguing for who is the the initial sixth man award of the year. But I think you could honestly give it both to them. I agree. Did you see Horace play a little point guard? I did, and I was a little confused by that. I had some flashbacks to Simeon Bowers, and it scared <laughs> me a little bit. But uh, he, you know, Horace is not the best ball handler in the world, and that's putting it nicely. But I was, I was very happy with how he finished that play and and got his two points. But you know, neither of these guys are are going to light up the boards and light up the stat sheet every single week. Malik has a really good opportunity to go off for 12, 15, 16, or whatever, and, and a, get a double double. Um, you know, going eight points on the night in 25 minutes isn't that, you know, it's pretty decent, especially in a game like this. But, you know, I, I love seeing the number that sticks out is those seven rebounds. Those are, you know, just looking at those numbers alone, those are effort plays. And Malik loves to just come driving into the paint, flying over everybody and grabbing the ball, you know, before anybody else can touch it. And, and it's just all effort. And that's what Horace brings as well. You know, again, when, when Austin's on the court, you're not going to lose any productivity. When either of these two guys come in, you're going to gain some emotion and spirit. And, you know, they're, they have such a potential to light the fire in, crowd and in this team speaking of players that don't get talked about as much here um samir dowdy has not had a great last few games he came on hot to begin the season just lighting it up shooting the ball um he has still been dynamic in his defense and that was the case as well tonight but he ends up being our second leading scorer with 13 points austin wiley being the first at fourth um having a better night and he did have a little bit of a tweak of an injury there uh at Middle way through the second half, he did come back in, so it looks like to be nothing more than your typical kind of basketball injury that he can work through, hopefully. Um, but I was very happy to see Samir have a little bit of success, who's been struggling the last couple of games. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I don't think that that injury is really going to be anything to watch going forward. You know, just I think he landed funny or whatever on his ankle, and it's not that big a deal. But, you know, Samir had a really good, well-rounded game. 13 points, 4 of 7 from the field, 2 of 5 being from the three-point line, uh, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, um, you know, only 2 turnovers, 2 personal fouls, which is much better than, you know, what he had in Hawaii. But, um, you know, that those are the kind of numbers you want to see out of Samir. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be the, the dominating t- uh, player on this team when you've got Bryce and Jared and um, Chuma sitting there on the, in the starting lineup with him. But, you know, if he can contribute and be, you know, a good teammate with this group of guys, then it's going to be hard to, to take him out of the lineup and to give his minutes to anybody else. And I would argue that he had a key factor in the so many shot clock violations we saw this game, the five-second inbounding violations. Um, Jeez, I mean, how he, many did we have? Like, I, I lost there, count. I think there were three shot clock violations and another two five-second calls. And you know, I, 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 I say it almost every single episode, I love good defense. And those are that's your reward for good defense. You know, Auburn has been so good on inbound plays under coach Bruce Pearl and 
and getting those five seconds are such a big changer. They're momentum changers, and those are going to be critical in bigger games. And, you know, <clears throat> I think Asheville knew that they were outsized and outmanned and outtalented, and they're, you know, at that point your offensive um, scheme is to slow the game down and take your sweet time to put up a shot. That's also why the score was so much lower than it should have been. And and at that point, you know, it just seemed like their young, young team just lost track of the time and and just, you know, they when you get called for a violation like that and, and they most of them weren't even close. Like these guys still had they were looking at the opposite uh goal when they got called for their violation. Like that's just good, strong defense. It is, and it was very impressive to watch tonight. And, and credit goes to guys like Samir Dowdy, who plays such great defense that can cause those type of situations. You know, other players did as well, like Jared Harper. Uh, he's known uh, for his awesome defense as well, and Bryce Brown too. But talking more about Harper, we talked about a block party, great defense, but there was a passing clinic put on today, and it was done by one Jared Harper. I mean, he was lobbing balls for alley-oops, no looking at halfway across the court for a guy for a layup or a dunk. Then he's, you know, doing a behind-the-back to set up a guy for a three-point shot. Every time I looked, the guy was trying to do some kind of magic trick with his hand. They didn't even start calling him the magician on the court. <laughs> he, he's definitely got the eye for it. And, and if Auburn was making shots earlier in the game, Jared would have had more than five assists on the night. I just realized that was his amount of assists, and that's a travesty with the clinic that he was putting on tonight. He was doing a very good job. You know, he can be a little risky at times, but I think in this type of offense, um, you need to take a few risks. And when you can score like Auburn can, you can afford to be a little bit more uh, troublesome in your passing in terms of just throwing it in traffic. But he is not shown me too many times not to trust him and uh, he continues to impress whether it be scoring passing defense i love me some jared harper uh, so it's gonna be fun to watch him in the next game which is going to be a very good game i suspect and not one that i suspect auburn will lose of course now that i've said that knock on wood auburn will take on the dayton flyers uh for their next game which will be at 8 30 p.m eastern time you can watch that this saturday on the sec network thank goodness we're past this time period where the games might not be on tv or at least non-subscription tv we can watch them all now however uh so we've got a welcome dayton and we went there last season and i think this is honestly if i'm looking at further down our schedule clint this is probably maybe you nc state that I think this is going to be our biggest test outside of the Maui Invitational. I mean, yeah, especially after you come off of two, you know, walk through victories and against St. Peter's and, and UNC Asheville. I mean, Dayton is, you know, probably in the, t in that same realm as Xavier Duke and Arizona in right. terms of name recognition in, in the world of college basketball. I mean, the, the play in games, or whatever they call them now for the NCAA tournament are hosted in Dayton, Ohio every single year. And, and those, those are just really important games to, to get, yeah. you know, beating, beating a Dayton team, regardless of how the team itself is performing is on the same level as beating Oklahoma and UConn two years ago when both teams weren't very good. You know, just, <clears throat> I think Auburn is getting really close to, you know, overcoming that name recognition barrier at this point. And when you beat teams like Dayton, 
UAB, NC State, and Murray State, these next four non-conference games, those go a long way in just that reputation. And Auburn still has to fight for that at this point. When I'm looking through their schedule, they have three losses. They're five and three on the year so far. They have wins uh, against Butler is probably their most notable win. They, they do have a win against North Florida, which we'll see at the end of non-conference play, which they won 78-70. to Their three losses are against good or decent teams, and that would be Virginia, who's currently ranked number four, Miss, uh, Mississippi State, who is currently ranked number 25, and they have a loss to Oklahoma, who is, as a program is down right now. But still... It's that name recognition like you talked about here. I look at this schedule here, and I, I, I'm i not going to say that Auburn's due for a letdown game, but if there was going to be one, it could be against the Dayton Flyers here. They have put up not a lot of numbers offensively against good teams, but if Auburn's having an off-game shooting, this could be a very frustrating and very close game leading uh, possibly to an upset for Auburn. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, maybe you want to label this as a, uh, trap game. Oh, don't but... say those words. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's this is going to be a tough fight, but I think Auburn is definitely up to it. And you know, you just go through and look at these um, top performers in each game. Um, Toppin Topin has hit 18, 19, and 22 points this season. Um, even had has had two double doubles apparently. And Cunningham is good for 20 points and eight rebounds. And, you know, they, they've got really talented players, it looks like, just according to the stats. And, and, and I fully expect them to come to Auburn and, and try to get revenge for losing on their home court last year. I mean, wasn't it like they had like a 30-something home game win streak yeah. or something along those lines last season? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't, those are kind of things you don't take lightly when you lose that kind of thing. And, and they're, they're going to definitely look to come in here and, and show that they can hang with, you know, these top ranked teams hang, you know, only getting beat by seven to Virginia, number four, like you said, losing by seven to a top 25 Mississippi state team. Now they're coming in to their third top 25 team on the season. And, you know, they're not they're not going to roll over. This is going to be a, a game that the walk-ons do not get to see action. And I think this is a chance for Auburn to kind of not that non-conference is over by any stretch of the imagination because we had the amazing game against Washington where we made a statement that at least for the start of the season we for real. We made a statement in the Maui Invitational. This Dayton game I think is another opportunity to kind of stamp and say, "Hey, this is legitimate. Yes, we're at home, but we're taking on a team that's got a legitimate chip on their shoulder, a reason to beat us. They've got great players. They have a great history. And to do that two years in a row, I think, sends a statement. And you're going to hear me say that a lot over this year because I think that's what this is about for Auburn. Last year was an amazing run. This year is about making a statement that that wasn't a fluke. And I think this is yet again another chance for our Tigers to do that. And we'll see if they're able to pull it off or not. If you are able to, make sure you get to that arena and support these Tigers. Before we get out of here, Clint, let's give our contact information. You can find me on Twitter at TigerEye24. And where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at ClintAU24. And you can check out my website, the Auburn Uniform Database at AuburnUniforms.com. And that's all for this edition of Inside the Jungle. But until we see you again, War Eagle. War Eagle.
Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?